Being an artist is the most incredible gift. The divine expression of your soul, the bone-crushing rejection, the drinking before noon. It's easy to forget why you love doing this. I'm here to help remind you. Join me each week as we dig into the practical and spiritual mindset and manifestation tools you can use to finally get out of your own way and do what you came here to do. The art you want to make is only being blocked by the bullshit stories you've inherited about what's possible for you. In a sea of no's, you're about to become your biggest yes. In a town of it's who you know, you are the one worth knowing. When they say they need a name, you say your own damn name. I'm Kelly Warren, and this is Another Take. Welcome back to Another Take. I am your host, actor and life coach extraordinaire, Kelly Warren. We did it. We are up and running. There was a kerfluffle there for a minute with Apple having a global system-wide glitch after an update they did, and they weren't approving any new podcasts, but we are here now, a few weeks late, but not in a scary, I need to go to the drugstore and buy a test sort of way. So great job, everyone. Thanks for coming back. I appreciate you so, so much. First off, I feel like I need to set the stage for you here. I was just in my bedroom closet. I'm still figuring out things like audio quality, and I did some research. And apparently this microphone works best if you can create a blanket fort around you and the mic. That's right, a blanket fort. This bitch was 120 American dollars, and in order for it to work, I need to crouch in a cubby and swaddle myself in a comforter like the baby Jesus. Are the ox and lamb going to redo my theme song? What are we doing here? So I'm all ensconced in the closet. I've got a cat passed out on a pile of duffel bags next to me and five old navy dresses from last season. Who are we kidding? They're like from 14 seasons ago. (laughs) Grazing the back of my neck, which is the most action I've gotten in God knows how long. And then I remember that my apartment has the shittiest Wi-Fi in America and I don't get a signal in my room. So this is all for naught. Everybody out. So now we're in the kitchen and I have every pillow, blanket, and cat in this apartment strewn about to absorb the sound. I have a pregnancy pillow wrapped around the mic. Relax, I'm not pregnant. I just have the lower back strength of a windsock. And I discover through the powers of the internet that I now have access to once again in the kitchen that I don't need Wi-Fi to run the software that I'm recording into. So this was all for nothing. But fuck it, you know, we're here now, we're not moving again, and we are excited. (laughs) Plus, the fridge doesn't seem to be making any noise right now, which is either a delightful treat for the pod, or it's broken, and I have to eat everything in it as soon as this is over. (laughs) I hope it's the former, because I really don't feel like having 12 string cheeses and a jar of pickles for lunch, washed down with a glass of almond milk. (laughs) Delish. So, today... I'm going to invite you to journey back with me through me trying to get this podcast going and all of the shit that came up for me in that process. Because as as I'm sure you know from your own life, when you start taking bigger action and doing new things that make you uncomfortable, holy shit does your crazy come out. And I'm a person who has studied this stuff and learned tools to manage the crazy, and I pretty much just threw it all out the window in the moment, because this is a lifelong process. It never goes away. You just get better at managing it and not letting it derail you. I was lucky enough to have a producer for just the first episode, which meant I had non-negotiable deadlines each step of the way, and thank God, because I never would have done it otherwise. 
because each task along the way wound up taking me 14 times as long as it should have. Why is that? Because I was petrified and in such resistance that my creativity was completely blocked. I was making everything way too precious. I was listening to clips for the theme music for straight up five days. Guess what? They all sound the fucking same. They all sound like a corporate training video about how paper clips bring people together or some shit. Took me seven and one half hours to write my intro. That's right. Seven and a half hours for 30 seconds of copy that everyone fast forwards through anyway. I could not get it out. I mean, I've had a writer's block before. That was insane. I could have worked on that thing for two weeks and it wouldn't have mattered. Done is better than perfect. And if you're like me and you get so caught up in getting everything lined up just right before you take action, you're doing yourself a disservice because it is only in the doing that you get clarity. It takes me forever to write a draft of a script because I won't write anything down because I'm judging it in my head. Oh, that sucks. She wouldn't say that. Blah, blah, blah. There's a delete button, Kelly. Oh, my fucking God. Write it down and get rid of it later. You need data. Going back and forth for hours and hours about what is or isn't going to work is nothing compared to trying something and having tangible evidence as to whether it worked or not. I know we're artists, but we kind of need to be scientists a little bit too. We have to experiment. We test our theories and it's either, yep, these two chemicals make rosé you can drink in space, and these two make the beaker explode and dear God, there's glass in my eye. And then the scientist doesn't make herself wrong for the beaker exploding. Now she knows what doesn't work and that the formula needs to be tweaked. Are you the person who has a shitty audition or does a crappy scene in class and walks out the door like, well, that's it. I expect someone will be along directly to take back my SAG card because I'm a pile of garbage. No, you have data. This is great. That bit didn't land. That action you planned out actually looks terrible on camera, so now you know not to do it next time. There's a lot to be said for trial and error. Make your purpose more important than perfection. I'm over here going, well, what if I pick the wrong music? What if nobody listens? What if people do listen and hate it and hate me? Instead of just picking a damn song and saying, I can change it later. A great trick I've learned to dial down the what ifs is to change them to even ifs. Even if I pick the wrong music, people can still enjoy the podcast. Even if nobody listens, I am taking huge steps for my own personal growth in getting this out. Even if people hate it and hate me, At least I know I'm doing something interesting enough to provoke such a passionate reaction, which means there are people out there who will have an equally passionate reaction about how much they love it. I found this to be really helpful when I find myself drowning in worry and second-guessing everything. It acts as a bridge to help me get over the hump and able to take imperfect action and move forward. The caveat here is, this only works if you are not in a trauma response, because in that instance, you don't have access to the reasoning part of your brain and can't step back and reframe things. So, what's a trauma response? I'm so glad you asked. That's right, kids, it's childhood trauma. It'll run your whole life. So, when I was about five or six, I'd say, I was in dance class. Now, if you've ever seen a kindergarten dance class, you know, the choreo is not that demanding. It's 90% shimmying, and if you can coordinate your limbs enough to do a kickball change, you're basically Baryshnikov. So we're living our best lives, moving our hips from side to side, and then Miss Gale goes over and stops the music, and she says, Kelly Warren is the only one using those hips. Let's do it again, and this time I want everyone to do it like Kelly. And as she turned her back to put the music back on, this little bitch in front of me, whose name was Leslie, 
turned around with her stupid blue eyes and her stupid brown ponytail, stuck her tongue out at me and mouthed the words, I hate you. And when I tell you, I wished the floor would swallow me whole. I felt like she had punched me. My stomach fell into my ankles. My heart was pounding. I wished I was invisible. And when my mom came to pick me up that day, I was distraught and I wouldn't tell her what happened, but politely informed her that I would not be attending dance class anymore. And she politely informed me that that was absolutely fine. After I finished out the year because fuck you, I already paid your tuition and bought this recital costume. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) My mom did not curse at me, but I did finish out the year and then I quit and became a Girl Scout. Luckily, I found my way back to dance several years later and it became a huge part of my life, but it took several years. As that incident, as insignificant as it may sound now, haunted me on a subconscious level for the rest of my life, and still does as this podcast made me realize. So why does this happen? A quick rundown of the science here in broad strokes, as I am not a neuroscientist, but I will absolutely play one on TV just for the record. Okay. Sensory information comes in. That girl is sticking her tongue out at me. That girl's saying she hates me. The amygdala which is in the limbic brain, which deals with your emotions, assesses this info and determines whether this situation is threatening or not. In this case, yes, because to the primitive parts of my brain, this person is an aggressor and might want to eat me. My brain thinks she's a tiger. It can't differentiate between physical and emotional danger. It's all the same. A threat is a threat, period. So once we've determined, yes, there is a threat present, The hypothalamus dumps stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline into your bloodstream and activates the fight-or-flight response, aka Molly, you in danger, girl, all in an effort to keep us safe from the tiger by giving us the juice to either fight it or get the fuck out of there. Then, because the brain is so smart, the amygdala, that threat assessment center, encodes all of the sensory information associated with the threat so it will remember what to do the next time the threat presents itself. It files away images, the sensations going on in your body at the time, the emotions you're experiencing, and the conclusions you're drawing about yourself and how the world works. So now, anything in your life moving forward that your brain perceives to be similar to that event, anything that brings up the same emotions or sensations or images, whatever, will again be viewed as dangerous and trigger the fight-or-flight response automatically. It thinks that past experience is happening now in the present moment. So in this instance, the conclusion I drew as a child was that if I stand out and shine in any way, I will die. If I attract attention, if I am singled out, if I am visible in any way, I am in danger. And that information got stored away in my subconscious. And now any time I am in a situation where I'm about to do something that would potentially make me more visible or stand out from the crowd, my system goes, whoa, 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 what you doing there, Kel? You trying to die today? This is just like the Leslie situation. Remember what happened then? It doesn't matter. I do. Roll the tape. And then I recreate everything I experienced physiologically on that day, blankety blank years ago. Maybe some of you can resonate with this. I'm the person that gets an email about an audition three days from now and starts having heart palpitations. God help you if you are in an elevator with me on the way up to NBC because the amount that I am sweating would make a wet rag uncomfortable. It's weird that I'm single. So you might be going, well, this is such a big thing for you. It doesn't make any sense why you would choose to become an actor where putting yourself out there in an effort to be singled out is literally the entire gig. And to that, I would say it actually makes perfect sense. 
because we play out unhealed dynamics from childhood in our adult lives. You know the expression, girls marry their fathers? Really, it's whatever that dynamic was feels familiar, and your brain goes, oh, I recognize this, we've done this before, I know what to do with this, I have a program I can run. Plus, if you're into astrology at all, my north node is in Leo, which basically means my soul's purpose in this life is to stand out and shine. <laughs> Even the stars are like, Kel, we gotta crack this nut, keep at it. <laughs> so, the crazy really came in three tiers. That's tears like T-I-E-R-S, not like I'm crying, although I wanted to. Firstly, to the surprise of no one, I really procrastinated sitting down to record the first episode. I would try and then suddenly forget what I wanted to say completely, so I would stop and go for a walk and then not try again when I came back from said walk. I started outlining my talking points, but then kept fidgeting with what they should be. I did a dry run of the recording, and my producer had told me to aim for 20 to 25 minutes, and I looked down at the stopwatch when I was done, and it had been seven minutes. (laughs) Nailed it. Then I started to tell myself the story of why I shouldn't be doing this. See, you're not cut out for this. Who would listen to you? Who are you to think you have anything worth saying? You should just not do this. What happens if you don't turn it in? Nothing, except you've lit some money on fire. That's nothing new, so who cares? And I'm lucky that I'm old enough now and tired enough of my own bullshit to be able to step back and recognize that I am not these thoughts. I am a person thinking these thoughts. They are separate from me. They are just a residual pattern of conditioned thoughts prompting a residual pattern of conditioned behavior, and I have the power to break the pattern and make a different choice. You are absolutely correct, self. Old Kelly would definitely quit at this point. But I recognize that this is my pattern talking, not me. And this time, I'm going to choose differently and push forward and take the action, even though I'm terrified. Huge breakthrough moment, right? Cue the music. Uh, not so fast, because sure as shit, the day after I turned in the audio for my first episode, I freaked the fuck out. Enter tier two. My brain went, are you fucking kidding me? You realize this is going out to everyone in the world, right? You're putting yourself out there to be judged and criticized and possibly kicked out of the tribe? We're at DEF CON Leslie, hit it! And I went into a fight or flight tailspin. I was just pacing around my apartment. My anxiety was through the roof. I thought my heart was going to beat out of my chest. My stomach was in knots. And I was just like, this was a huge mistake. How do we take down a podcast that hasn't been published yet? Who will deliver wine to my house? I have questions. And at one point, finally, it just felt like the seas had parted in my chest and it got very quiet. And a knowingness just dropped in. And I said, oh my God. I still have no desire to be seen. I cannot believe this is still here. All of the personal development work I've done over the years, all the self-awareness I have around the parts of me that need to be healed, and this still needs my attention. And then I really had to give myself some grace and look at myself with compassion and realize that getting mad at myself is not the path to healing because there are two things to acknowledge here. One, my brain and body are protecting me. They are doing all of this for one reason, to keep me safe. You can't exactly get mad at someone who's trying to protect you, even if you don't appreciate their methods. You have to acknowledge there is no malicious intent here. Two, our emotions are a gift. They're not negative or positive. They're all valid and they're data. They're showing us where we're at and that something needs our attention. I'm glad to know this is still coming up for me so I can address it. It's time for an inner child meditation and a Valium. No, I'm kidding. I've never taken value. But if you have some, I'm not not interested. Okay, no, enough. I digress. (laughs) Then tier three came 
when my producer informed me about the Apple glitch and that the podcast would be delayed and he had no idea when it was going to go up. And I swung immediately from, oh, that sucks. I already told everybody it was launching tomorrow. I'm going to look like an idiot to praise Jesus. This is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. I don't have to promote it anymore. I don't have to do any more episodes right away. See, I'm not supposed to be doing this. I was right. The universe is protecting me. Then I saw a post about a much more well-known coach in the acting space who announced, I'm starting a podcast. And the colors were almost exactly the same as the colors from my podcast cover art. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? This is a joke, right? I should just call it a day. There's no point. And then luckily, I was able to take a step back, recognize the pattern, and shake hands with it and say, I hear what you're saying, but this isn't helpful to me right now, and I will not be taking any further questions. Good looking out, but I got this. And that was the third time in, what, a day and a half that I had to talk myself off the ledge. Good times. So how do I keep this from happening? Guess what? I can't. But I can help make them happen less frequently, and when they do come up, maybe they don't last as long. I do this by giving myself disconfirming experiences. I have to keep showing my brain and body that I can put myself out there and not die. Because I'll be honest, guys, I haven't been putting myself out there enough as an actor or a coach. I've been avoiding creating content for Instagram. I've been avoiding putting out this next episode. I'm doing the work right alongside you guys. I need to keep putting myself in situations where that visibility wound flares up so I can walk through it and show my brain I'm okay. Your brain likes safe and familiar, so we need to start making the things we want safe and familiar. A big part of why people have trouble manifesting what they want is because there is a subconscious part of you that doesn't feel safe to receive it. Safety is huge. And then as far as dealing in the moment, when you are highly activated, a big part of calming down is activating the vagus nerve, which helps regulate your nervous system and bring you back online. Things like deep belly breaths from the diaphragm, maybe on a rhythmic count, being very aware of being in the room and everything you can experience with your senses, feeling your feet on the ground, your weight in the chair. Laughing is great. I like to chant on a voo sound, V-O-O-O-O times infinity O's. <laughs> voo is great for activating the vagus nerve. Hugging your pet, pets are wonderful for regulation. These are simple things you can do in the moment to self-regulate. And if it's not so panicky, depending on how activated you are, you can journal, you can meditate. I like to go for a run when I'm feeling anxious, give the energy somewhere else to go. Start experimenting with what makes you feel better. Whatever works for you is absolutely correct. Now, if you're thinking, okay, this doesn't ever happen to me, be honest with yourself. Are you putting yourself on the line enough? Because that's when the crazy comes out. And if you're not having any of those moments, I'm willing to bet you're not taking big enough risks. I stayed in the same acting class for nine years in my 20s. I taught the class when my teacher had an audition. I didn't have any auditions, but I went to class every week and did nothing else. And I told myself that that was enough to count as me pursuing acting, quote unquote. We're very clever. We can convince ourselves that we're doing something, but to have something you never had, you have to do something you never did. And doing something new is scary and uncomfortable. We need to be more comfortable with being uncomfortable. When's the last time you did something that made you shit your pants a little? And I don't mean jumping out of a plane, I mean something you need to face because on the other side is you growing into the next level version of you who's able to receive what you're asking for. Do you need to talk to your agent because you guys aren't on the same page about what kinds of roles you've been going out for? 
Does telling your Facebook friends about your podcast send you into cardiac arrest? Are you not getting your needs met in a romantic relationship and you're avoiding having a conversation about that? These are things on a much smaller scale, but the energy you're holding around it is exactly the same and can bring up so much of our stuff. Do it now on the smaller stuff so you can prove to yourself that you're capable of doing it on a larger scale. Prove to yourself that it's not you, it's your pattern, and you can choose differently right now. You're an actor, right? Make a more interesting choice. How many ways can you shit your pants this week? That's your homework. (laughs) That's right. In case you were worried you accidentally stumbled onto Brene Brown's podcast, let me remind you where you are. Here on another take, we shit our pants and we like it. Wow. I cannot think of a more appropriate or necessary place to end the podcast this week. (laughs) Jesus H. Hey, you got to look at your life with a little more irreverence, I think. We're supposed to be enjoying ourselves here. Thank you so much for listening, if you still are. (laughs) Come say hi on Instagram at Vital Crayon. That's my handle for the coaching business. If you feel comfortable sharing, shoot me a DM about an action you took this week that scared the shit out of you so I can celebrate you. And if the thought of sending that DM scares the shit out of you, that's something for you to look at as well, now isn't it? Whatever it is, you can do it. You are not alone, and you are capable of so much more than you realize. I love you. I'm here for you. Have an amazing week. I'm so glad you're here. I can't wait to see where you go. Till next time. It is my absolute joy to be on this ride with you. If you liked what you heard, tell a friend. If you didn't, tell your diary. Between apps, you can find me on Instagram at vitalcrayon and head to vitalcrayon.com for info on how you can start going deeper into this work with me when you're ready to level up. Thanks so much for listening. Now go be your bold, brilliant self wherever you're off to next, and I'll see you in the trenches.